Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Got away with um, one again? Who, my team? Yeah. Yeah. Hello everybody, welcome to Planet FPL, the world where everything revolves around Fantasy Premier League. My name's Such. And my name is James. Happy New Year to all of the listeners, viewers, podcast fans, podcast most, haters. Most Salah captainers. Whoever they may be. Yes, it's another year, another year stronger. I think it's going to be a good year, James. I'm feeling positive uh, for what's going to come, for the pod, for, for, for everything really. 2024, bring it on. Let's have it. How was uh, FPL game week 20, which of course isn't finished yet. We've obviously got West Ham Brighton still to go to see. Well, it just felt like um, the most fickle kind of game week. I don't know. I, I, I kind of tuned out of this game week a little bit because um, with the AFCON, I didn't really know where I was going to go with my transfer. I didn't really, I wasn't, I felt like I was just kind of going through the motions in terms of who I was or wasn't buying. Uh, I ended up selling uh, cash for Poro. Exciting. Um, stuck wait, the armband don't, on. Don't dig out Tottenham, mates. None of that. Oh, boring, mate. Honestly, <laughs> uh, are you still in, are you still celebrating Arsenal's defeat? Are you? Uh, no, I'm celebrating <laughs> Arsenal's two defeats. <laughs> um, it just felt like yeah, it, it was going through the motions. I, I captain Salah because you did. What? And... That's the worst reason I've ever heard. No, honestly, I looked at it. I obviously had the choice of Watkins, Solanke. There, there was plenty of captainable options this week, yeah? Um, and when I looked at it on the face of it, Anfield being the record that they do have at Anfield um, and the state that Newcastle were in, I, I did think, yeah, do you know what? It's just a sensible choice. Your your logic was right. And Salah is Salah. And he's going to want to score a couple of goals before he goes away to AFCON. I didn't feel like it was perhaps as obvious as it was. And look, he, he could have been a completely different outcome yesterday. But I captained Salah um, because you did. And your logic made sense. It's so shit. <laughs> I mean, this is it, right? But yeah, generally shit game week. Uh, fucking blank from Solanke, blank from Poro, blank from Trent, blank from Gabriel. Ariola hopefully can save my game week. What you want? 85 points, mate. That's good, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm being, I'm being <laughs> sarcastic. Um, Watkins, Alvarez, Diaby, 
Palmer, Richarlison all returned for me. So 85 points, gaming rank 344. I've gone from 1.1 million to 770k, James. Oh, nice. That's a yeah. good little jump. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. Just, you just know, copied you know my captaincy pick. So, um, <laughs> yeah, because because this is this is like the fickle nature of of football. I felt like I didn't go on Twitter during the Liverpool game yesterday, but I can tell you probably exactly what happened on Twitter during the Liverpool game yesterday. I bet between the the, the ten minutes of Salah missing the penalty was everybody that captained him bemoaning the end of their game week, and everybody that didn't <laughs> laughing about. Ha ha, Salah's missed the penalty if you captain him. Ha ha. And by the end of the match, which is probably only an hour later, the whole thing is completely reversed, right? The Homer Simpson gif, isn't yeah, it? Like back yeah, into the yeah. bushes. And I'm looking at it and and I'm not digging you out or Spurs out or whatever. And I'm like, Spurs are taking pleasure from Arsenal's uh, defeat. It was only four days ago that both of you were getting slapped to make one by Brighton and one by West Ham. So football can change and so can my FPL history right i was two million four weeks ago i'm 700k i am under no illusions that two weeks from now i could be back to one and a half million you can't arsenal are not out of the title race of course they're not liverpool what, are going to be what, completely what made you think i've been Mo publicly Salah. reveling in arsenal's defeat anyway oh. <laughs> happy new year um i wished all the listeners a happy new year and I, and I, I, I was just confirming the, the results for everybody in case people hadn't seen that yeah. day no, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> not a uh targeted specifically that it's just the whole weekend felt very fickle and people are really swinging from one extreme to another throughout my life uh and it's a good thing and a bad thing i've never got too excited when things are good but i also never get too down when things are bad that's just my nature and it's a good thing but also it's a negative right because sometimes you find it hard to celebrate victories or things that happen that worthy of celebration i move on from stuff pretty quickly but it's the same with this from an fpl movie it's been an incredible game i've, I've my rank's gone up about 40 percent or whatever back inside the top million which is good team's fairly set look ariola saves a couple of penalties today i might even get in top 100k mate but <laughs> that's you getting beat three nil tonight now then. <laughs> well let's see uh apparently kudus isn't allowed to play i thought you were telling me he was allowed to play i well we we still don't really know um, but that seems to be the word going around now, which I'm stunned about because they moved the deadline back. That that was all the information that I had. I don't even know. Moyes might even be pulling the fast one, mate, and he plays. Um, more interesting for yourselves tonight is, you know, Ben Rabah's not been called up by Algeria. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, what? And nor is Maxwell Corne. So we're going to battle it out for position so on the left wing, are they? <laughs> ben Rama is the conclusion to the Bowen and, uh, sorry, the no, Salah not. and Son. There's a real giveaway. The Salah no, and Son not. replacements, which no, will no, be a not. theme during this podcast. We'll cover plenty of midfielders. Uh, yeah. Across the I mean, pubs. otherwise, go on X.com because everyone else has already put out their lists and percentage chances and who the best replacements are. And uh, it's never otherwise... as straightforward as that. No, because, because you need to think about who, who your other players how are. How you're going back. Are you going to go back Do to you Holland? Want to go back? And, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. what how are you getting Holland in? Yeah, exactly that. It's not as straightforward as A, B, C, D. Unless, of course, the value is absolutely irrelevant and it's just a placeholder and you've got no intention of going back to Holland because maybe you've already got him sitting there, then sure we could we could go through a list. Mm. Uh, spoiler. Just, just, it starts with of... Cole Palmer and Jared Bowen and then moves <laughs> down from there. Uh just on the on the kind of like the fickle nature. It's like four days ago or four, four days before Saturday, we're talking about Man United's amazing comeback against Villa, papering over the cracks a bit, but they had come back. Then what do they do? Go and um, poopy the panties at uh, Nottingham Forest. 
And uh, yeah, it's re- it's really swinging at the moment. Everton were on such a good run, and all of a sudden they just can't buy a win or or keep a clean sheet for for Toffee James. Well, hey, um, so, yeah, it's it's um it, it's very uh, swings and roundabouts for everybody, ups and downs, yo-yos, roller coasters, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I do think that it's making for a very interesting season, football season. Here we go. Only one team so far has won all three of the Christmas fixtures. You know who it is? So that's well, game week 18, 19 and 20. Only one team has won all it three It can't games. be us because uh, we haven't played our game week 20 fixtures. Correct. It's not. It would be you if you win tonight. You'll be added to that. Liverpool. Drew with Arsenal. Drew with Arsenal. It's not Villa, not Chelsea, not Palace, not City because they've only played one of those games, right? They blanked in 18. Uh, it's not Forest. It's not I'll give Wolves. you a clue. They scored nine goals in the three games. It's not Wolves. It is. Oh, wow. Is Chelsea, so, Brentford and Everton. So th- just after we smashed them 3-0, they've come back and won nine. Yep. Nine yeah. points. Uh, it's enjoyable. I do, I do like, I do revel in the carnage. I just don't want to get sucked into the, it's all great and it's all rubbish. But tell us, how was your game week? A uh, very interesting one, which started with, um, I think most of us were probably going into this game week thinking, like my team this week, and I'd kind of pre-warned, like, okay, you know, think ahead to game week 21 is going to be difficult. It's going to be a lot of captaincy chat about game week 21 over the next 12 days or so, or 11 days, because it's tough. Right? We've gone from having this weekend options everywhere to next week, scraping the barrel potentially with Salah, Sonny gone, Haaland maybe not back. In any case, it's Newcastle away. Tottenham go to Manchester United, City go to Newcastle, Liverpool at Bournemouth, don't even feel the best for other Liverpool assets, for example. It's tough, game with 21 captaincy. And I'd probably like to touch on that more next week rather than this week because I think there'll be a lot to learn from the FA Cup games next week that, that might be helpful, i.e. what are Bowen, what are West Ham going to do with without kudos for example mm-hmm. uh going into Sheffield United who might replace uh Salah for Liverpool etc there's loads of potential options for 21 but they're not as clear cut as this week for me on Salah captaincy it was exactly what I said to you about they're playing at home to the 19th worst team away from home in the league mm. in Newcastle and the only thing that was really nagging at me about not going Salah was well I know how good Newcastle can be and the, for the first time in ages, I've got a week to prepare. So there's every chance they may still be better. But I think in a week where they've got a home game and they were playing against a team that on paper has been struggling recently, wasn't really much of a contest for me, especially with, I know EO shouldn't play on your mind, etc. but it's close enough. It's like, I don't need to sit and watch Mo Salah Monday night and be like hiding behind the sofa when I when it could be Alvarez is next best or Watkins is next best or Sun's next best or Bowen or Sacco. So many options this week for captaincy. I'm on 74. Like the majority of people, no clean sheets, basically. I think Alfie Doughty owners defensively are probably the winners. Um, so I had Saka 7, Bailey 8, Sun 9, Salas 32 last night, Watkins 8, Alvarez 7. I benched Solanke and got away with it. I would say so. Oh, yeah, no, massively. But then every other attacking player I've got has returned so far. So this was always the problem. That's what we're trying to explain. It was like, I don't want to bench Solanke, but I'm pretty confident all the rest of my players could well return up front here. So I've got Bowen to go 
tonight before I can claim that as a victory, but I never would have benched a, a player playing at home to Brighton who's an offensive player. And I've got Ariola Ariola yeah. still to go tonight as well. Um so yeah, pretty pretty pleased with that. I've got two free transfers in the bank. At the moment I'm up six thousand from two hundred and nine thousand to two hundred and three thousand. Um, which is a, is a small victory at the moment and should obviously get a little bit better tonight with having two players playing. But Saturday lunchtime, it looked like the game week was definitely going to end in the red arrow already because of uh, let's start the uh, the new year in the best way by going cold turkey. Cole Palmer absolutely destroyed. It's like, oh, wow, that's a big problem. And I'd been, the two players I'd been eyeing up most for me as Salah Sun replacements were Palmer and Garnacho. So certainly reaffirmed for me that Palmer is probably a, a go and get. Um, but I do have a, an awareness of the fact that Chelsea could blank in 26, not have a double before that. They've got Liverpool away in 22, City away in 25. Is it like, oh, missed the boat a little bit here? Maybe, could be. But he might even be my captain game with 21. So I think he, he's got to come in. Yeah, I mean, Fulham at home, but really we'll talk popular. about the... Arsenal-Fulham game. I mean, Fulham aren't, aren't bad. They, they went on that little bad run without Jimenez, but they did look good against Arsenal. Um, do you need money to get back to Haaland? Should he be available? So, so does the salad to, to Palmer, for example, does that help the additional move, which is getting back to Haaland? Yeah, I mean, that in one go, you know, salad to Palmer and then Alvarez to Haaland essentially does the trick. But I'm almost definitely going to come down from Sun with the other one. Like, I, I, I don't foresee me going to Kevin De Bruyne. For Is there example, any thought in your mind to hold either of them, Salah or Son, with the no, view no. that they might only miss one game or two games? Not or particularly. Like it's no. it's unlikely. They're, they're likely to miss three. I do think, as I said, if they play for the team that wins the competition, it might even be as many as five. Mm. And I think if you asked people who, I wouldn't say regret, but those who've held Haaland through all these weeks that he hasn't played, Listen, they're, they're probably in an advantageous position for what's coming up next in the sense that he's already there, but probably could have had some... It certainly means they haven't gone into having all of Watkins, Alvarez and Solanke recently. There, there were there were points all over the place, so they definitely most certainly could have picked up points of a Solanke or even even if it's bits and bobs of Darwin Nunes in terms of uh, assists and stuff. There were there were points elsewhere, so I do think you're right in that. Well, if, I mean, for it. me, who was on the Holland strategy with no Salah... That I've been holding Holland through, I wouldn't have had Salah. I certainly wouldn't have had Trent for some of the recent returns. Big fat zero last night. Hello to anyone who took a minus four for him this week. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm likely to come. It, honestly, so it could be that Salah's son goes to like Palmer and Garnacho for me. I'm less keen on the the Garnacho than I was this time last week, which I'll explain when we go through the games. But yeah, there's a number of potential options for me. Ben Rama would be one of them, maybe even such. Just suddenly from absolutely nowhere, Richarlison, another Arsenal player, there's loads of potential options. Um, what I need to figure out, the more important bit is with my final decision, you know, it's not the just can I get to Haaland, it's the how am I then going back to Salah Sun, which as I discussed two weeks ago, might might not be as necessary as it originally appears. But I think certainly at least for Salah, I need to know what the route is. My route will probably be via Bukayo Saka. So that's thinking kind of three, four moves ahead in terms of the strategy. So when I make the moves over this next week, I need to be thinking, right, what else might I need to do between now and Salah's return that would still enable me when I want to, to go Salah to Saka? 
uh, Sackard Salah, sorry. Understood. So it's leaving it... four odd million in the bank or so all the way through that process for me. Well, should we talk about these games then? Sure. Let's do it. We'll rattle through these. Of course, there's FA Cup this weekend. So we're now in a um, very sparse January after a very dense December uh, FA Cup game, split game week because of the uh, mid-season break, uh, Carabao Cup to be thrown into there as well. So um, with as with everything, and I think you put it quite succinctly on the internet, James, like hold your fire. Yeah, can I, actually just for the benefit of those who don't, who don't go crazy, don't follow on Twitter, which hopefully is most of you. Yeah, um, yeah. there's you a lot. Then, there's uh, so much genius. information to learn before game week 21. And I know, for example, like Salah's already had one price drop last night. I think there was uh, about twenty thousand people bought him last night after the game. I, I Joe, you know I just think it's robots that are pre-set up to make moves yeah, determined on who scores returns boss. and stuff. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Surely, because he's red flagged as well. So, don't know how you, oh shit, now I want to go and buy Mo Salah. It doesn't make any sense. But Salah and Son obviously got red flagged quite early. So, look, they are going down in price, no doubt about it. And I think people be seeing, oh shit, Salah's already gone. There's every chance he'll go down a, a, again. But honestly, if you can hold your nerve, please do so. The transfer window is open. That's That's the first thing, right? The yes. teams like Chelsea, if you're like me and you haven't got Cole Palmer, I can sit here and say to you, he's a 99% certain to me, but he's got two games to navigate before game week 21 comes round, right? And he, he's certainly going to play in at least one of them. Hold your horses, right? So you've got FA Cup third round, which is going to give us a big, important part of the puzzle in terms of future blanks and double game weeks. That Arsenal-Liverpool game on Sunday is massive from an FPL perspective. And the first game is actually really important as well, which is Crystal Palace and Everton, which is Thursday night. Because if Everton go out and then Liverpool lose on Sunday, we already know that Everton and Liverpool is on in game with 29. What are you thinking about game with 29 for already? I'm telling you, to see the picture will begin to impact moves for the strategists who will plan ahead. So we could be sitting here in a week going, Right, Everton and Liverpool is definitive fixture in game with 29. Okay, I know Salah's my game with 29 captain, for example. We could be sitting there knowing that this time next week. So there's a lot to learn. The Carabao Cup semi-final first legs. I've got Chelsea at Middlesbrough and Liverpool against Fulham. Well, if Chelsea and Liverpool both win 4-0 in the first legs, then we could look at game week 25 and go, uh, game week 26, sorry, and go, right, I'm pretty certain now that Liverpool loot and then Chelsea Tottenham's going to be off. Then we can begin to factor, right, is Liverpool Luton coming forward to game with 25, which is dependent on their result against Arsenal? Is it going to move to later in the season? We may get announcement of Man City versus Brentford, Bournemouth versus Luton. There are so many reasons to wait, honestly. Um, I don't get it. Like my, my perspective on the value is always where you can make the earlies in the first half of the season. Take advantage and do it. Once you hit the second half of the season and we're now in it, the information is way more important than the value. And presumably, many of you who seek value have been building it up. My squad value now is 105. Mine's like 102. I'm screwed. But either way, whether you're on 105, 102, 99, whatever, the principle right now is way more important, that the information matters way more than saving on, oh, going to lose 0.2 here on Salah or something. Honestly, I think the, the information is way more important. So I'll, I'll be waiting before making earlies. Okie dokie. Uh, let's talk about these games. You talk about Chelsea there. Um, so Luton 2, Chelsea 3. It felt like Chelsea 
kind of got away with it a little bit here yeah, and then they the got end. away to three. Not lose Luton had the higher XG. They had a lot of shots. Um the, to be fair, front... Luton didn't have a shot on target till it was like gone three 0 to be no, fair. But that they rallied really well at the mm. end. Um looking at the front four there, like Breuer, Jackson, Palmer, Madueki, I'd actually feel like as from my I'd be like, yeah, I'll play that. I don't mind playing against that. Um can you take Cole Palmer out of it as well though? <laughs> well, yeah, but then if he's creating for the others, they they just don't inspire fear let's say necessarily and with Luton I do feel like now they're starting to and they have been for a little while I would say almost like figure out the Premier League like figure out what their style is and they've had their style but how to use it effectively in the Premier League and they've been getting some decent results and losing is never a decent result uh, for anybody but to only lose by one goal and I think they haven't lost by more than one goal at Kenilworth Road all season I'm pretty sure I heard that after the game. That sounds right. I actually heard that when uh, Chelsea were 3-0 up. <laughs> it's it's worth saying, like, though, you, you have still had two. Chelsea score three there, Arsenal score four there, City score a couple. But they've been able to hurt them on yeah. the other end, right? And other Absolutely. teams that don't have maybe the firepower of the greedy six or whatever else will, will struggle. I think I was. I, I think as a Luton fan, you're coming out of it still optimistic and Chelsea just take the points and, and go and there's still a lot of work for Pochettino to, to do there. Yeah, it's got glass half full or glass half empty, I feel, for Chelsea after this one. So probably looking now and go, only one point behind Newcastle. But Newcastle and, are doing rubbish. Yeah, yeah, but no one's probably ruling Newcastle out of top four, for example. So just by virtue of being I don't a little... Think get there. No, another did. Bookies and most of us now at this stage, particularly with that away record, is horrendous. Um, but just by virtue of being close enough, that certainly at least begins for them to be able to smell the prospects of qualifying for Europe, right? Whereas, say, if Newcastle and Manchester United had been winning comfortably over Christmas, then that gap would still be massive. They're there with them now, basically. So Palmer, the standout, obviously. I, I did have a look at some of his returns over the weekend. I felt that was necessary for me because of a, as I'm a non-owner, right? So it feels like it's been a slow burner for him, and that's because, obviously, he joined from City and never really started till what, sort of game week seven or so. Mm. In his 12 starts, so he's got 13 returns in FPL. Mm. He's he's on fire. In moment. those starts, he's averaging seven points per game. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself with this, if the game was scrapped and it was repriced now, what price would he pay? Uh, no cheaper than Bukaya Sacco or that eight, eight and a half, I would say. Yeah, it's got, no got cheaper than. minimum eight, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I'd expect him to be eight. So... I think the point being on that is, and I, I did allude to it and say he would be under consideration for captaincy for me in, in game week 21. It's interesting for Fulham in that particular fixture as well. As obviously they play at Liverpool in the League Cup semi-final on the Wednesday night. Chelsea played a Tuesday night. Then it's 12.30 on the Saturday. I know Gandhi said don't captain anyone in the 12.30 unless his name's Mo Salah. But Cole Palmer will be uh, under consideration for me. And by the way, one little tip for game week 21 make sure you've at least got your vice-captaincy playing on someone in the first weekend. That's an absolute given, because remember, it's a split game week, right? Five games on the first weekend, seconds, uh, five fixtures on the second weekend. So look, That's, you can of course, cap- if you don't have your captain on the first weekend. You can captain some... Yeah, of course. You can captain someone on the second weekend, like, if you want to go for, like, Saka, Trent, and that's fine. But make sure your vice captain is someone playing on the first weekend, even if you don't fancy him. You know, so it could be someone like Watkins away to Everton, for example, I think would be like a sensible vice captain play in game week 21. Uh, Palmer would be under consideration for me. We should start thinking of him as that, a sort of under, eight to nine million midfielder. Yeah, underpriced. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, not underpriced. I understand. Remember, they priced him up when he was a Man City player as well. Yeah, right? yeah. But but with current information, he is underpriced. Um, yeah. And he's not the only Chelsea player that I think can be considered as as enablers. So Malo Gusto's four point two mm. now. I, I um, consider him ahead ahead of Porro, just as um, because I didn't think you'd keep a clean sheet against Bournemouth. Um, so I thought, why don't I cheap out and go to to Malo Gusto? But there's always the looming threat. I didn't know enough about Reese James's information. What's what is Reese James's information? Reese James out for about three months. You can always ask oh, me, Sush. Fine. Yeah, I mean, but, I was out at the shops with the missus, so I didn't. I mean, this goes for the other players as well. What you've always got to be aware of with Chelsea is transfer windows open, right? So God knows what they're gonna. They, who knows if they're gonna do business or not this month. Um, I would suggest that Ben Shilwell's return will potentially have an impact on Malagusto because whether he wants to play two fullbacks like that, that said, Pochettino said several times over he doesn't particularly foresee Chilwell as a left back in a back four. So I think that will relate back to the Thiago Silva problem. Like in a weird way, if Silva got injured and they had to go Badia Shill and Disasai or Colwell centrally, for example, then I think there's every chance Chilwell and Gusto would both play together. But there's a little caveat there for the Gusto owners or investors, just to keep an eye on that Chilwell news. We do think he's close. It'll be this month, we think. Noni Madueki is only 5.3. And, you know, we get these players during the course of an FPL season who are non-existent in the first half of the season, suddenly come from nowhere. It would be a big call why he's returning for Pochettino to take him out of the team. Similarly, if he was going to play regularly, that's a mad price, 5.3. Jackson's gone to AFCON which means he can't get booked, presumably, over this month, but I'm sure mm. he'll still find a way. Breyer's 4.9. He's going to play up front at the moment, isn't he? And I, I think most people will be diverting their moves towards midfield, but let's give you an example that, say, someone's already, I don't know, say they don't have Salah, just as a hypothetical, and they want to move Sun to something like Saka that's not a million miles away in value, but they want to find a way to get to Haaland as well. Well, maybe something like Breyer's going to, enable that sort of thing your timing wouldn't be terrible he's almost definitely going to start in game week 21 um and interesting Raheem Sterling no minutes that felt like the big yeah. headline of the weekend because remember obviously he was suspended against Palace so I think we widely assumed that Sterling and Palmer would definitely start alone he didn't even get on I don't know is there something in that um it's been a hectic schedule I think I'd put it down to that Although he had the gap when he got suspended. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I did have the gap when he got suspended. Interesting one. Mm. Interesting one. one. Yeah, with that in mind, it might be that suddenly Madueki might get like a run of games. That's, again, you've got two Chelsea games of information this week. Could we sit here next Thursday, Friday and go, oh shit, this guy's an option all of a sudden? Maybe. Uh, the caveat with Chelsea, like I said, you need an awareness that there's away games at Liverpool in 22, Man City in 25, and even the likes of Palmer you, with fixtures of other teams in those game weeks. Actually, genuinely, he may end up on people's benches again. And of course, they could blank in game week 26. So you need an awareness of that. For Luton, Ross Barkley was exceptional again, Such. Um mm. I hadn't seen too much of their games in between, but I thought he was really good against Arsenal and he was really good at the weekend. Even scoring a header from a corner is a little bit of an unusual one. He's 4.9. Andrus Townsend is 5, puts good delivery into the box. There's a relevance to him in a second as well. Elijah Adebayo, we think, has got preference up front, is 4.8. I mean, would you rather buy Adebayo, who looks like he's going to play every week now, Serge, or Breuer, who 
at 0.1 more probably gives you Fulham at home, but then a problem. Like, where would you rather invest? Uh, back at you, James. How many of Luton's next fixtures are home fixtures? Uh, three of the next five, or then I'd go with four him. of the next six, depending on yeah, how you feel. If, if if they've got a lot of home fixtures, I would go with the the Luton asset. Their next five, Luton, is Burnley away, Brighton at home, so offensively it's fine. Newcastle away, that might even be fine. Sheffield United at home, Manchester United mm. at home. Before, yeah, I would, I would go with him before they may blank themselves in game week 26, if Liverpool gets to the Carabao Cup final. I've been in the Liverpool away game, and to be fair, Newcastle away in 23. Their fixture run is fine until the FA Cup quarterfinals. Um, I feel like that could flip with Carlton Morris. But the Luton headline one is a player we spoke about on Patreon on Friday, so it's Alfie Doughty. Yeah, so, I I um, I don't know why, but I was put off by his price, James. Instead of like a Porro or Gusto. No, I get that there, actually. 4. I understand 4. it. I was like, I want to, if I'm buying a Luton defender, he's got to be a four or 4.1 or 4.2. But that's, I think it's stupid thinking. I don't like my logic, but I was put off by his price at 4.4. And I don't know if he's gone up now to 4.5. Probably not, right? People aren't steaming into him. Uh, yeah, he's still 4.4 and only 1.5% owned. If I was wildcarding now, I think go in. And it will be a few who can't bear their teams and the second wild card is available and they'll be steaming into I don't recommend Five that, Five assists this season's good. Yeah, but it's, it's not just that. It's, it's the sheer volume of what he's doing. He's he's um he's like a, he's a cross-spammer, basically, right? Second on the BPS at the weekend as well. Well, it's two assists. Yeah. And Luton had a disallowed goal just before their first and that was that would have been his as well. Admittedly, <laughs> it was him that was, was offside in the build-up. So with them... You need to think as well that there's two possibilities of a double game week coming before a blank, right? The Liverpool game could get brought forward to 25, maybe even 24. And obviously, we've got the Bournemouth game to rearrange. It's not unthinkable that they had two double game weeks in the next five. I think that's probably unlikely at this stage, but it's not improbable. And even if, say, their they're double in 25 is United at home and Liverpool away, and you go, oh, right, shit. Well, he's on a lot of the set pieces from the stuff. A simple... Put away Liverpool defended Sven Botman's goal last night, right? It's not make out, he can't get returns. And the whole potential is there because he, he's going to be in a bonus regularly if he returns for them. And I get what you mean about it feeling too much. You think, well, if I want a Luton defender, I'll just get for the 3.9 or something like that. Nah, get him. Yeah, but, I agree. But big caveat. Issa Kabore has obviously gone to AFCON with Bikina Faso. And it probably is going to mean that he plays right wing back rather than left wing back. I do think that pulls away his appeal a little bit. Set pieces and stuff still absolutely fine. But obviously on that side, he wants to come back onto his left foot and come back in. Whereas his most dangerous ones, I think, is when he's on the left-hand side and he whips the ball in with pace and it's really difficult to defend. So I think the fact that he'll probably, and it's not a certainty because they can use other options, but he, he probably goes to right wing back will less his appeal Slightly, but yeah, I'd I'd punt him at the moment. I'd I'd rather he was sitting in my squad than like Pal Torres at the moment. Yeah, I can I can completely see the appeal with that one, James. Should we talk about Villa top of the table, or at least they were at the end of this game? Uh, three Burnley two. In the end, I don't like, think they ever went top, did they? I think it would be on Liverpool. Oh, was it, were they joint? Think so, joint yeah. top on points at least, and uh, when you're a Villa fan, I think that's enough to say that you're top. And I'm not gonna. 
Oh um, yeah, claim. Let any any football yeah, fans yeah, should I'm claim whatever they want. I'm not right? going to piss on that parade. Let them have it. Um, they made hard work of it in the end. Um, they probably deserved to win and had had the had the xG and the shots and the chances and stuff. But just made hard work of it by continuously letting Burnley get back into the game. Um, and look, Villa Park is now Fortress Villa Park. So. For Burnley, it was a, a free it, hit, wasn't it, it? It wouldn't have felt like it if they lost. Uh, if, sorry, if they didn't win, because it would have been drawing at home to the bottom two in consecutive home games. So it was interesting. I think, um, who's your host on Monday Night Football? I've forgotten his name. David Jones. He said last night, it was like, suddenly it was like, Villa are unbeaten at home in X home games. And I did have a little chuckle because it was only like over a week ago we were going, they've won how many games in a row? So now we've moved it to go. It's unbeaten and good. You you should be able to claim it, and we know it is a it is a really difficult place to go. But that's interesting that they've now played Sheffield United and Burnley in consecutive home games and struggled to win them. And you're quite right; they probably did deserve to win the game at the weekend. The common denominator between the two home games and the defeat at Manchester United is no Bubakar Kamara, who will importantly be back from suspension for the trip to Everton. And I think he's been a big miss. And I think Emery gambled on the team lineup here again, similar to what he did against Sheffield United. He took his Dendonka back out of the team. And really the only difference was you've now got Ezri Konza playing right back rather than Matty Cash, who we now think probably missed out the weekend. So have you still got him or did you sell him? Sold. Sold. We now think probably missed out the weekend due to illness rather than a, an arm injury. We, we're not, something's not quite right there. Um, but yeah, Konza right back. Instead, I suppose a little bit more secure and allows a bit more movement of the parts and Moreno to bomb on from left back. On Moreno, he'll be attractive. Luca Dean, we think, could be back as, as early as game week 22. So it's just a consciousness of that. I think for the likes of me on Bailey, the likes of you still on Diaby, I'm guessing, Serge? Yes. We take the returns at the weekend. There's every chance they play again against Everton. I'd say Bailey more likely than Diaby. But it's going to become a problem for one of them, I think. It's not quite clear which one as yet. I think Bailey's got the favouritism, personally. I think even more so if Esri Concer is going to regularly play in this right-back position. But I am just awaiting the Leon Bailey injury, to be honest. Uh, Douglas Louise at 5.5 is obviously a, a consideration. I think my point of that is Salah Sun owners shouldn't, I think, at this stage be going to Bailey or Diaby. Douglas Louise for his consistency, certainly can be considered. Um, a couple of notes on Burnley. Obviously, goal for Lyle Foster, which he took really well. Um, and it was noticeable to me that they were a little bit more direct in their play. Now, I don't know if part of that, the goal was kind of an untypical modern Vincent Company Burnley goal. And there was the other incident he had where there could have been the handball incident against Carlos, which for me personally, you can't call a denial with a goal scoring opportunity because actually his arm knocks the ball into Foster's path, unfortunately. Um, so don't think he should have been sent off. Um, he's 4.8 as well, Lyle Foster. Yeah, uh, no. What are you doing? Trying to build a he... front line of less than sub 5 million strikers <laughs> no, but I'm, 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 I'm trying to think outside the box. I'm thinking some people will need to find Holland money in alternative ways. So mm. let's let's add that to the conversation now. Adebayo, Breuer or Foster. And Foster's not going to AFCON, by the way. South Africa have not called him up. Uh, yeah, I'm, I have no problem with adding him to the list. I'm just seeing what my squad value has changed. 102.2. Yeah, people like me who have no money would need to do it. 
Uh, I, I would probably prefer Foster over the other two options, actually, now he's back in the team. Luton at home next as well, so timing might feel nice. Uh, Jordan Bayer went off injured quite early in the game. Uh, the Sky listeners will know he's injury prone. We've certainly learnt that this season. He was replaced by Hannes Delcroix, who I can't profess to have seen a lot of the game on Saturday, but whenever I have seen him, I thought, you're not ready for this. Al Kill has dropped 3.8. And I'm not in, in suggesting that anybody goes there, but it might be one to keep an eye on as a real, real enabler further down the line. Uh, great result for Villa. Doesn't matter how at the moment. Keep winning. Keep your head above two points per game. And while you do that, you're potentially in a in a title race and certainly will finish top four once you stay above that. Brentford losing at Crystal Palace, mate. Mm. Five defeats on the trot. Yeah. Um, is Ivan Tony 4.9? Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> Ivan Tony's 7.9. Um, but there is another Brentford player that I would say is under consideration for me, actually. He's Keen Lewis Palm, who's 4.7. It's a midfielder before you yeah, ask. Yeah, I suppose it's right. Yeah, um, yeah, again, another one who obviously could have a double brought forward to 25, but that wouldn't particularly be the, the reason why, actually. You'd actually part be looking at game with 29. Yes, really. Uh, the schedules go to Burnley in the FA Cup court final weekend. Their fixtures after Forest are bad. Tottenham, City, Wolves away, Liverpool, West Ham away, Chelsea, Arsenal. They're in trouble. Mm. If they don't win that Forest game, they're in big, big trouble. But and Lewis Potter... See, so if, like, if someone comes in with proper money for, for Ivan Tony as they, well... I don't think they sell him now for any money. I don't think they can afford to. Staying in the Premier League is worth too much, but also... Yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll sell him for any money. throwing a lot of money around, it could... I think I think for Brentford to sell now at this point, considering the trouble they're in, I think we might be talking hundred. Mm. I think at hundred you have to sit down and go, take it. Should we? Yeah. I don't know because at least then that's that's your loss of revenue, basically for you know pre Premier League TV money, for example, it would stabilise the club um, in the very worst case circumstances. But Brentford's not the sort of club that would be in trouble should they got relegated they would instantly be one of the favorites to come back they're a well-run machine we know that Lewis Potter I quite like um he's obviously scored at the weekend I'd mentioned him on a piece I did for patrons um last week as well obviously when they're going to a two up front at the moment he's basically him and Vissa so he's getting favoritism over Morpe and Bumo's obviously injured till we think kind of sort of marshish Vissa's going to AFCON now as well so is it Tony and Lewis Potter up front? And I think it might be. This was the first time in quite a while that I think Brentford had played a back three slash back five in a game you probably wouldn't have expected them to. And I think a big reason for that is Godos and Rostev. Godos is also going away. He's playing for Iran in the Asia Cup. Not suitable as wingbacks, particularly Rostev. Uh, sorry, not suitable as fullbacks. Wingbacks, okay. Fullbacks in a back form. Not great. Plus, Nathan Collins obviously had a difficult game in midweek. So a little bit more security back there with Zanka playing. Ben Mee will be back for the Forest game. That's a plus. But I think unusually for them, when this Forest game comes round, rather than going 4-3-3, because the problems are so amplified defensively, primarily because of Henry and Hickey's bad injuries, that they might stay with a back three. And Lewis Potter might be the off-the-ball movement off of Tony. Now, it could be that it's Tony and Morpay and they go that way. If it's a 4-3-3, then Lewis Potter's definitely, definitely going to play one of these wide positions. 
Um, and I think he's an enabler that can be considered as your eighth player. And he's probably not damaging enough that you think regularly enough, oh, shit, it's Palmer. I don't want to leave him out, for example. So Lewis Potter's under consideration for me. Michael Elise and Eze will certainly be consideration for those who want to invest in Palace. Elise's 5.8, Eze's 6. What I really like about Elise more at the moment is the first goal at the weekend that he scores. He's obviously on a good little run. He's got like four in three. He's obviously come back of his own injury problems, as has Eze recently. That first goal, though, is not a Michael Elise goal. It's an Elise goal in its final execution because of its brilliance. But Michael Elise being bothered to arrive on the back post is not something I've seen very often. So a little bit of desire there to perhaps get himself greater returns. I don't mind Michael Elise, particularly if people are in the luxury position where they can bench him this week. Because investing going into Arsenal way, despite Arsenal's last two results, doesn't feel right. So if you're in a position where you think you're right, I'll bench him this week, but my game week 22 looks uglier and they've got Sheffield United at home. I can see why people would want to go there. What do you think Elise versus Eze? Can I say neither? Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, you can. I just, yeah, it doesn't inspire me with confidence. I'm not sure under what circumstances you particularly want it. Like you described it as if you want to invest in Palace. I'm just, yeah, I'm going to say neither, James. If you can I use him as a road... I'd go there. I'd go somewhere cheaper, like a Garnacho or even like Socek or something like that. I'd just go cheap, mate. If I, you I can don't use think him those as me. a rotator option, their next four home games are Sheffield United at home, Chelsea at home, he's just scored at Stamford Bridge, Burnley at home, Luton at home. So next four home games have got the bottom three. Now that does take us all the way up to game with 28. And if they did play in the blank, it's another home game. It's in, in 29. It's Newcastle at home. So I don't mind it. He's not out of running. For me, it's Elise over Eze, I think, at, at this stage. Um, but I also think it's probably a, a no. Tony, he's a captaincy option in 21, isn't he? No. Until I've seen him lace up a pair of boots and get on a pitch, I would not catch He'll him. absolutely score when he's a certainty. Yeah, probably. Probably. I would, for those who want to do it and want to write this beautiful narrative, etc., do again look at those fixtures afterwards. And I'm not quite sure with the wanting to go back to Holland, Watkins' form, Solanke's form, Alvarez, if Holland is out for longer, where you're finding the place to go to Tony beyond the, the narrative. You can go Solanke's fixtures tough. And I said last week, I think Solanke potentially is expendable when I still feel that but it wouldn't be going to Tony as part of that. That's even more expensive as well anyway. So, yeah, if people want to write their kind of one-week punt stories, be my guest, but otherwise I'd, I'd be waiting, I think. Uh, it's all about Man City 2, Sheffield United nil. I mean, could you have expected anything else? Phil Foden clearly puts himself in that bracket of Sun and Saga yeah, replacements. Yeah, under consideration. too obvious a choice, isn't it, really? The way Newcastle um, defended last night helps as well. Oh, I was going to say, James, like you're talking about moving off Alvarez maybe back to Haaland, say Haaland wasn't available. Why is a Man City player not a Game Week 21 captaincy consideration? Because it's an away fixture? I still think Newcastle way is rough, isn't it? I'd go to St. James's. I think that the, the Nottingham Forest one at St. James's probably taken a little bit of the, the fear of going there away, maybe. But I think at the moment, we'd still treat that as a one-off. Going to St. James's is still one of the toughest away games you can have. Now, if Haaland's fit, i.e. plays against Huddersfield next week, and we're like, oh, yeah, he's going to play, 
then I think a lot of us will just smash our teams up and just captain him straight away because the alternatives aren't good enough in 21 to say, I'm definitely sure I want to take him on. You haven't got Salah at home to Palace, unfortunately. So it might be that in nine days we're sitting there going, yeah, shit, Haaland's fit, get him in, captain him. That's the solution. Would I want to captain Foden or Alvarez at Newcastle? Not sure. Not 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 sure about that particularly. My, my concern with Foden isn't him. It, it's always the same. And we've got two players coming back into this team soon in Holland and Kevin De Bruyne. And I can't help but thinking that De Bruyne is going to have an impact on Foden especially. I want to I want to buy Kevin De Bruyne as soon as he's available. I'm less keen on that. Yeah, I don't know. I've got I've got no right logical reason, James, other than I just want to get him in. I've yeah, no. Well, I know what it is. It's I've got the money to go from Salah to anyone. Oh, he's the most expensive player I can have. Is the timing right? Oh, look, it's Burnley at home, Brentford away, Everton at home, Chelsea at home, Bournemouth away, Manchester United at home after Newcastle. Listen, this is a good run of fixtures for City. There's challenges in there, but for City, that's a good set of fixtures, I think. So I can see why people would want to go there, particularly with no Carabao Cup semis or Carabao Cup final to worry about, no Champions League to worry about for, for a number of weeks. And obviously the high probability of 25 being a double which would be Chelsea at home, Brentford at home. Um, certainly wouldn't expect an announcement this week, but I think once the FA Cup third round's gone and stuff, then we may be looking at getting towards a potential. That That's the clear most likely week now, is game with 25 for City against Brentford. Uh, unless City got the FA Cup, then that potentially changes the game. They've got Huddersfield at home, so I would suggest that's pretty unlikely at this stage. So yeah, it's just a concern about the rotation on the the minutes at the moment for Foden but yeah he, he might well be the one for me so just absolutely under consideration I think can, he will be the one for me can I uh, can I give you a couple on. of mad stats on this game because I think this yes, is interesting um, do you know how long the ball was in play 65 minutes so it was 69 minutes 41 oh, seconds not bad I was not far off no, this is high that so is high. massive absolutely so huge Brentford is... can take it down into the 40s sometimes <laughs> so um, yeah I thought if City have dominated the game in possession then it's going to be high 65 would be high 69 I think no, at to, to give you context last season the average was in kind of the 56 minute ballpark yeah. for a Premier League game now, that average has obviously gone up this year because of more added time and stuff but that is by far the most Ball in play, 69 minutes, 41 seconds is long. Generally, most people are targeting sort of 60 minutes in play. You know what makes this statistic remarkable? Do you know how long the game lasted? 94 minutes. It was 93 minutes, 51 seconds total. The okay. shortest Premier League game of the season. And the highest ball in play. Yeah, what was the possession for Man City? 75, 80%? It's just to just keep the ball in play, aren't they? Yeah, they have yeah. looked, and I didn't see a lot of the game at the weekend, but I think we can visualise what, what it would be from the bits we've seen. But against Everton, they had their control back. 81%, and, James. Yeah, I mean, it's not unexpected, is it? Rod Rodri was completing wow. a pass on okay, average. James, you've just seen it. Stats. How many passes did they attempt? Not did they accurate, uh, how it's, many passes? It's, it's second most in a Premier League game, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. 900 or so, is it? 1,000 passes. Yeah. Imagine. 944 accurate passes. Rodri completed a pass every 36 seconds. Joke. Joke. <laughs> Dominant. So, well, but they well, do look, if you look at them positionally as well, 
to do look like they're settling a, a little bit more. And I think John Stone's been injured again might mean that we get a little bit more advancement from the two fullbacks. Um, and I'm not suggesting anyone goes and buys Josco Vardio, but I think we're going to get a bit more of that from left back and maybe even from Cole Walcott right back as well. Don't when forget they... the opposition passive as you like. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's why it's difficult to look at heat maps from this particular game because they're just camped in the other half. If you look at the the disproportion between Will Asula's average touch position and the rest of his teammates, it will give you probably a little bit of a giggle for the weekend. Um, he played up front. Uh, neither Archer or McBurney did. They had the three ineligible players, Amir Hodzic, Harmer and McAtee, obviously unavailable this weekend through suspension and eligibility. They'll all be back for the next game against West Ham. James McAtee will be under consideration for me as well, Suge, because I think he's the best... If I want to go at under 4.5 midfield as an eighth attacker, I think he's still the best option. Um, I don't think there's anything worth going at 4.3. If Summit dropped to 4.2, by the way, having looked at a couple of plans, I may just automatically go to that irrespective of who it is. Um, but James McAtee at 4.4 would be a consideration for me. Foden is the only real City player that I'm under consideration of investing in this week. Yeah, agreed. And if Holland uh, is back, it's Alvarez that will, will go most likely for me, I think. Wolves three, Everton nil, and uh, comprehensive as well. It might not be reflected in the XG in terms of a one point nine nine and three goals, um, but from even what uh, our friend Bradley Parker was putting on social media and stuff, dominant. Uh, that's performance of the weekend for me, um, because you know what I've been saying about Everton, and I'm going to interject you before you even ask and say no. There's no chance Everton will get relegated. Don't say stuff like that, man. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, a. There's, there's something mysterious happens that they just can't. And B, I'm sorry, they're still about the 11th or 12th best team in this league at the moment. No, the, I always have to say, like, had they them. not had the 10-point deduction, they would be sitting in 12th right now. So, sure, if they do the same in the second half of the season, they won't go down. But psychologically, I know from being down there, when you're just one victory or one point or just one place above the relegation zone, it can play on your mind. But look... Sean Dice is experienced and he's been around he's been around the block. So he Everton's and, next two home uh, games are Aston Villa and Tottenham. Oof. Don't be surprised if they beat both of them. Okay. They'll be absolutely as long as they keep the spine of the team fit, like if they lose Pickford, problem. Lose Tarkovsky Brantfweight, problem. And I think they've been impacted, obviously, by Abdullah Decore's absence recently as well, in terms of his box to box and his uh, ability to link up with whoever's playing up, up the top. I think there's been a, a little bit of a miss from us recently. And I think Sean Dyche will probably regret his selection for this game because he picked the back three again. And when we spoke to Sean Norton, our Everton correspondent, after they won at Burnley and before they came to Tottenham, the, the key theme seemed to be on the, the playing of the back three was that because Mikalenko was unavailable. Now, Mikalenko was still available and he decided to do it. And I think, honestly, on reflection, it's probably because it was enough worry about Wolves and the offensive movement that they have and the way that their wingbacks, particularly Ray and Aitnor, replay. But I think if he could go back and have that moment again, Sean Dyche, he would have played a back four. And I think it's not to say the result would have been different, but I think Everton probably would have performed better. Everton obviously didn't have a good day, but this is way more about how good Wolves were. And they were missing probably their best player this season as well, to caveat him. Mario Lamina, obviously, unfortunately, sadly, lost his father and obviously went back to France prior to the game. When he and comes Neto, back, obviously, he's not available as well. Um, 
yeah, wouldn't net... put him as their best player, but he's definitely no, in the team Lame, ahead Lamina, of Sarabia. I know people be going Huang and, and Cunha and all that. Listen, Mario Lamina, I'm fairly certain most Wolves fans would say has probably been their best player this season. Neto, of course, has been a miss and he's going to have to step up now because Huang goes away. Goes away. AFCOM. And uh, Huang very injured, recently. Sorry. You remember? You might remember when Neto got injured, I, I was really concerned that Huang would end up on the right. Mm. And I think that's what did happen for a few games. And them being better recently in terms of those brilliant results over Christmas, he has played as a central striker with mm. Cunha being a little bit more withdrawn to the left very recently. So it might be that Cunha goes back there. So Cunha might even be a better option again for the, the next few. Some of the fixtures are tough. I mean, you look at their next four away games for Wolves, it's Brighton, Chelsea, Tottenham, Newcastle. But guess what? The home games up to the quarterfinal weekend of the FA Cup, United, Brentford, Sheffield United, Fulham, Bournemouth, they look really strong at home. But you remember when you look at Wolves' home record this year as well, is they played the majority of the really good teams already at home, right? They beat City, they lost to Liverpool, they beat Tottenham, they nearly beat Villa, they drew with Newcastle, it's only, they beat Chelsea. But it's only Arsenal, Man United of the expected sort of top seven Um Sorry, I left you out of that. But West Ham, West Ham, for example, be one of the toughest home... Brighton have already been there. West Ham be one of the toughest home games Wolves have got left. Mm-hmm. So I bear that in mind. Their home record is good and they've played a lot of top teams. So that's going to become a bit of a fortress for them now. And I think Cunha is another one that could be considered. Neto would be a bit too punty. I think we would have liked to seen some minutes in him. Otherwise, he certainly be, could have been considered for forthcoming games. Maybe look, he'll get good minutes at Brentford in the FA Cup on Friday. That might help. I think eight Nori leaving to AFCON is a problem. Yep. And I wouldn't be surprised more than Huang if his absence means that results suffer in the next few. I spoke at the weekend about, um, on, was it Friday's pod we did, Serge, about him being the one player that gives them the balance to be able yep. to move to back yep. four, back three, with and without possession. They will yep. not be able to do it as good without him. No. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if their results suffer a little bit. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they end this season with one of the best home records in this league, actually. Mm. Um, but I think it's probably because of the, the absences to the international competitions, probably a, a non-invest at the moment. And Everton feels the same because of the result. But I, Evertonians, it's just a... They've they've lost to Tottenham. They were really unlucky. They lost to City. They were winning. And they got well beat at Wolves. The only bad performance in there is, is the Wolves one. And Wolves were exceptional. Let's talk about the... Game of the weekend, Nottingham Forest 2, Manchester City, uh, Manchester United, sorry, 1. Oh, this is game of the weekend. We're recording a podcast on Thursday for our patrons about Jim Radcliffe and Ineos and the takeover. I feel like we've done a podcast before about the finances of Manchester United and why it's all gone Pete Tong and the takeover. You've recorded with Gary Robinson about the state of Manchester United. I feel like every clash of the correspondence that he's on also is based on. And one of our patrons, Chris state. Church, was a good yeah, listener. He did as well. As well. Um, the point being, we've done loads of content, yet I'm so looking forward to just ripping into them because. <laughs> it's meant to be a financial conversation. But you want no, to rip this into is, them? This, no, it's a financial conversation. Okay. Right? The decisions they're making around recruitment and the way that they're running the business side of the club has an impact on what but, happens. But maybe that'll pitch. change now, right? Maybe. We'll find out. Sign up to patreon.com forward slash planet FPL and have a listen on Thursday if you want it. Plug, plug. But uh, two games now with Nuno. Uh, they were attacking in the previous game. They've attacked again and they've gone and got a result at the city ground. I think they're probably feeling quite positive Nottingham Forest now after that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I should listen. say they lost the, the first game. 
No, but one, yeah, but with 10 men against Bournemouth, yeah, one yeah, of the yeah, informed teams in the league, then very nearly got something. Solanke got the winner right at the end. And they went at Newcastle. They're so that's right. a brilliant start. You know, when we talk about manager bounces, this is a perfect case of it, isn't it? It is manager bounce. Listen, they could have lost this, right? Was it Ericsson's shot from the edge of the box that mm. Turner saves and Forrest literally score on the counter-attack? United Turner have... gave away the goal for Russia. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, can, I, can I just say on that, though? I'm getting really, really sick and tired of people saying about goalkeepers shouldn't do that, right? I'm absolutely certain Matt Turner does not want to play that pass. That's how he's told to play. I'm pretty sure Matt Turner wants to put his foot through it and just lump it down the pitch. You know, when people said about Arsenal and they said, uh, oh, well, why you got Raya to go with Ramsdale? Listen, if they hadn't got Raya and they've got Rams and Ramsdale got injured and had to play this guy in goal, there's not, they'd have had no chance of winning the league. He just looks like he's got a mistake in him. He goes from like the brilliant to, oh my God, what have you just done in moments? Um, and I would not want him as my FPL goalkeeper, but I guess he's going to stay in the team at the moment. Forrest is worth saying as well, I think are also coming into a more difficult spell of fixtures, which is why it's really important they got these two results. Otherwise, you'd have been going, uh-oh, in trouble. That game at Brentford is huge. I think Morgan Gibbs-White, who I've obviously laughed a lot at Clayton, because he's had him so long. I don't know if he ever got rid or he didn't. But now, finally, he's playing in his position. And he's not the worst get at sort of 5.7. I think their fixtures looking ahead for the future weeks are not good enough to make me want to consider to go there. But I don't think he's the worst one if you're looking for someone at that value. Certainly Talisman. Seven points on his bench for uh, for Clates. Did he bench him? Mm. <laughs> I suppose he played his treble Arsenal defence, didn't he? Uh, no, he played no? double. He benched Saliba <laughs> and played Gabriel and Raya, which actually worked out okay because Raya and Gabriel got one point each. Saliba got zero. So oh, know, okay. he's, he picked the right two out of the three this time. <laughs> well done, Clayton. We'll Happy get year. to that in a minute, James. Happy New Year. Um, probably a better investment in Forest at the moment now, though, for even cheaper. Again, if you want to look for eight for Taka, Anthony Langer at 5.0. Yeah. I told you when they when we played against them, he's all right. He's involved in everything. He's a live wire man. How many attacking I, I returns he got, Sush? Uh, oh, you're putting me on the spot there. I I'll feel like he's up star. to nearly double figures, maybe, Alanga, for attacking returns. Yeah, it wouldn't returns. surprise me. Um, and the problem with Manchester United is, obviously, being an ex-Man United player, everyone then pulls out his stats versus the likes of Anthony and, and whoever else they've got there, um, which I don't think necessarily is always the fairest thing to do. Um, but he has 10, yes. Four goals, ten. six assists. How many more than Anthony is that? Probably 10. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got it's one really attacking really... return in the calendar year, hasn't he? <laughs> Which I think, ironically, was at Nottingham Forest in April. Um, it is he, 10. He's got no returns this year. I didn't realise that was actually the case, James. I didn't realise Anthony hadn't got a goal or an assist all season. No. I mean, I, I, we're last Manchester United fans. Who would you rather have right now in your team? I don't mean FPL. In your team, would you rather have a Langle? No, Langle. Anthony? All day long. He probably would. Yeah, I'd maybe even have him over Garnacho, to be honest with you. Yeah, debatable. I mean, there's really good talent there with Garnacho. 4.8 is still a consideration for me. Not as strong as he was last week, which I'll come back on to. Um, yeah, I mean, United fans, this was a bit of a, a turning point, I think, for a few United fans with A, Anthony. One, one of the questions I often get with Anthony is, why does he escape the criticism 
from like the bashing in terms of how much United paid for him. And I think from from our perspective, he doesn't the, choose his price. Well, I think I, I always feel that with no, players, they don't choose their transfer fee. No, it, it didn't. And again, it's probably poor poor recruitment. But I think one of the reasons he's escaped from our content search is because he has been so ineffective that we we never even talk about him in terms of fantasy or or anything. So I feel like he's a forfeit. Like, you know, if you and me had a bet and it was the bet was you could put any player in my fantasy team, he'd be the go-to to just screw up your team or something. Um, I, I imagine oh. against Tottenham, obviously, look, Rasmus Hoyland missed out through illness. I presume they'll go to the same front three um, against Tottenham in game week 21 that they played against Villa. And it, it will have some fun. I spoke about that last week. I don't feel as positive about them doing us doing a number on us as I did last week because I've got a midfield player back in Rodrigo Bentancourt, which I'll speak about in a bit. Um, but I think the biggest one, even more than Anthony, that really annoyed the United community was the withdrawal of Kobe Mino at half time, who is being played in this position. I've said this pretty much all through this season that I think Ten Hag's end goal has been to try and get United into a four one four one. And that's playing two very advanced eights and just playing a one. And I think the reason quite a lot that he couldn't do it this season was he'd realised that Casemiro couldn't pull side to side in the way that he wanted anymore and needed help all of a sudden. And Casemiro was brilliant for six months last year, but he couldn't then play as a single pivot anymore. Mino admittedly missed the first three, four months of the season. He's a young boy. He's now getting trusted in that role. Why he then took him out of that role, I have no idea. Because it just opened United up in terms of on turnover and counter-attacks to be obliterated. Because Ericsson cannot run backwards. It, to be honest, he's always been like that. It's not a lack of effort or anything like that. He just can't. He's a forward-thinking player. He's not trained in his brain on to think, oh, I need to get alongside a, a pivot without possession. If you ask him to sit there, it's fine. But when he's gone high and then there's a turnover, they are absolutely battered on the counter-attack. United Tottenham in game with 21 could be anything from like 5 nil either way to 3-3. Three, three. But I'll tell you what it won't be. Have a guess, Serge. Nil-nil. It won't be nil-nil. That's, that, that's absolute certainty. Even without even without Sun, it won't be nil-nil. No chance. Um so I think Mino's withdrawal and putting Scott McTominay on the pitch was, I felt like it was a, a bit of a breaker for a number of United fans to go enough. Mm. And I think they've got Wigan away in the cup Monday night. It's, it's a big game for them. It's the sort of one, you, oh God, pushing to the edge. But if my team rocks up there and outplays them and beats them in game with 21, I think that might be it. Because I think then to have, Angie's style come and then show you what a philosophy can look like that then outplays their awful structure. And they can still beat us, by the way. I spoke about this last week because I think it'll do real damage to us on turnover as well. It'll be whichever team counterattacks better will win the game. Um, but if we go there and beat them and beat them well, say we go there and we win 3-0 or something like that, then, yeah, I think that, that'll be the end of him. I think they'll change now. And the, now that the takeover's gone through, I think we're possibly moving closer to that moment. I don't see, and I'm not saying it's the right thing for United to do because the problems in the background are well documented, but I don't think they'll recover this. They go from one good result to one bad result all the time. They've lost as many league games this season as they lost in 22-23. So for them, top four now looks really, really tough. And what is it, 20 losses in the calendar year or something? It was more, it's more now, I think, 20, 21 now. You imagine, like right? Yeah. You can't. No, you can't. And, it, and, and this has been bad really I think probably since the, the Liverpool game the, the 7-0 yeah. 
since sort of the Carabao Cup final. I wouldn't say they scraped the top four, but it was there were signs then that there was a few bad results beginning to happen. Think of the 4-0 at Brighton and stuff. Let's talk about the Sunday game show. Started with Fulham 2, Arsenal 1. Um, and yeah, a fully deserved win for Fulham. You, could, you can't say anything other than that. You talk about uh, this single pivot. Like if you'd have said to me at the start of the season, who's the one holding midfielder that you're happy to have in a single pivot? I'd have thought Declan Rice, side to side, he'll protect the back four. Yet the last two games where he's kind of sort of had to play that, well, Havertz and, and, and Odegaard are the other two midfielders in this game. And it was uh, Trossard and, and Odegaard against West Ham. I haven't seen him look so anonymous and lost in a game of football. And understand, I've seen a lot of that guy, right? For, for ages, like, Willian and 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 Robinson on the left and and even on the right with Deckard over Reed and then Jimenez is moving. Arsenal defensively look rubbish. It's just consistently getting pulled out of shape where the centre backs are having to help the fullbacks, and then they're they're all over the place and the gaps could be found. I thought the way that Fulham were able to get into the the fullback positions and put pressure on that and pull Arsenal out of shape and create chances was exactly what they needed to do. And Arsenal, on the other hand, ended up... The, it was similar to a West Ham game. Like You can control the possession as much as you want and you can try and create your chances. But they weren't creating chances that you're like, okay, you guys have, have peppered Fulham's goal. This was fully deserved for Fulham. Fully deserved for Fulham. You watched the game. Well, I did. Yeah, so I've only picked up the, just, the bits of the highlights. I was, we sat before the game and I said to... I was at my brother-in-law's place and I was like, I'm torn here. Like, I want to watch Tottenham Bournemouth because I want to watch Tottenham lose because I think they're going to lose and I quite enjoy watching you lose. But James is at the game, so I've got to watch Arsenal, really, because that's oh. what they want to do for the pod. Sod it, we'll watch Arsenal. I just discovered I actually quite enjoy watching Arsenal lose too, mate, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I think but you and the majority to, of the rest of the country, to be credit honest. To, credit to Fulham. They, they, deserve, they deserve to win. My, I think the biggest learning from this was that I found out that my wife quite fancies Bobby Deckard over Reed. Okay, that's Post-match interesting. interview. Oh, he's got nice eyes. I was like, oh, okay, maybe I need to think about getting some coloured contact lenses or something. Um, yeah, they fully deserved it. It's just played better, better all around. And um, for what Calvin Basti lacks as a footballing centre half, he's physical and he was up for it and he was really good. Like he gave he gave whoever was in front of him, including Jesus, uh, uh, sorry, and Ketcher, a tough time. Like he was physical. He made the blocks, made the tackles in your face. I thought Calvin Basti had the the really good game as His well. His tackle that he, led to the equaliser, wasn't it? As well, yeah, he he was just aggressive and in your face, and and really, sometimes that can be dangerous, right? Because you overcommit and then they get in behind you and you're screwed. But I thought, yeah, it was a good result for Fulham. Really good to come back out of what had happened, and no surprise, Willian and Raúl uh, Jiménez are back in the team. And, That's what uh, I said. There's a common denominator. Is those two players the way Willian can hold the ball up and just have that patience and and be creative? Very good football player. So, yeah, Arsenal. I, I whatever they'll snap out of it. They'll still create chances. They still got talent on the pitch, but not quite right. And I, I don't think leaving Declan Rice in there, like when he was at West Ham, double pivot. When he plays for England, Southgate always puts him as a double pivot. In certain games like this, it, it doesn't suit him. I disagree with that England comment, by the way. But Southgate does play him alongside Calvin Phillips sometimes. Yeah, it's moving past. It does. But it's all, again, down to the opposition, right? Because there's certain games where I say playing Declan Rice as a double pivot 
is is single pivots fine when you're going to have 70 65 70 percent of the ball but this was 50 50 this was even in terms of possession and they they exploited that Fulham pretty well so we can agree on Fulham that actually to bin the results from those two five nil games bin the results between them and this one bin them because Jimenez and William weren't available yeah I don't think life is that simple uh, I wouldn't go. I'm not. I'm not educated enough to be able to say yes. You can just put a line through it, but that's a very big coincidence. But then, yeah, no. But this is a relevance for people like me, and I won't be the only one going. Up, oh, should I have Captain Palmer in 21? Like, what Fulham are we going to get at Chelsea? I would. I wouldn't be thinking about Captain in Palmer at all. If Fulham play like they did against Arsenal, I wouldn't be thinking about Captain and Chelsea player. The one definite definite about Fulham as well, and I mentioned about the Wednesday night and then the 12.30 Saturday kickoff, which is bad for them, but there'll be no lack of motivation at Chelsea, right? It's their game. It's a derby. It's their their big game. By the way, next Monday's Clash of Correspondence is Chelsea. It'll be next Monday, by the way. Chelsea versus Fulham with Gary Mantle and Dara Curran. Good, good. Um, Um, Cut the stats on this, because I think these are interesting. On Jimenez, who has to be an option at 5.2, right? If people are looking for that enabling yeah, forward, he's 100%. got to he scored four 100%. in four uh when he's got four in his previous fifty, basically. It's the first time in twenty-six Premier Premier League games that Fulham have come from behind to win. It's the first time in forty-eight Premier League games, no, not quite forty-nine Arsenal fans, forty-eight Premier League games that Arsenal scored first and lost. So I mean, when I heard because I had some I had some of the ground state really early, Arsenal win it, I thought worth them. That game early over. on as yeah, well. Six minutes. Game think, over, man. Done. They've also, interestingly, and I'm not suggesting anyone goes and starts Gay or Anderson in game week 21, but have now conceded four goals from corners in their last six Premier League games. And if I remember correctly, did they go all of last season? Maybe conceding one or maybe even none in Premier League games last season. But that was maybe one quite near the end mm. to Leeds, maybe, rings a bell. How many shots on target did Arsenal have in the second half? None. None. And, and nor did they look or feel like they were going to. Can you ask uh, Dara when you get him on Clash of the Correspondence? You may yeah. know this, but I'm not 100% sure. When did Raul Jimenez change his headband from the full one to the one that's just got a cushioning on the side of his head? Because I'd be interested to know if that's a change in Helped. form. Could be. Because people talk about these weird things having an impact, but maybe it's, it seems much more less intrusive on his head now. If it was, It's like maybe. an eye patch that's just on the side. Did you see Salah's interview last night? No. After the game? No. So it was ribbing back, he changed his boots at half-time. Oh. So he was like, well, I took a penalty with these ones and they were new boots and I, I, well, that didn't work. I'll get rid of them. I'll just put a different one on. And he actually said, he admitted, he was like, oh, it's not a big deal. But then he said afterwards, he said, I didn't want anything in my head that could be something that I'd go, oh, that's why. Mm. It's basically saying it was it was psychological, right? Yeah, it was and going, it can have gonna, an impact. I'm going to change my boots. Now, if that's for him going, oh, the boots might make a difference. And this guy's got something he's got to wear on his head. Mm. He's intrusive to him. Exactly like what you're saying during a game. Yeah, maybe. Listen, none of us have been through that to, to know no. what the impact is yeah. or how he's felt or whatever. But what I can say is, from what I saw in the highlights, and by the way, can we have more Nedim Anuya uh, analysis as well? He's fantastic. And he has been every time I've seen him. Um, 
he's he's a real option for Fulham. He's become key for them. So when we looked at it in the past and went, I wonder if Muniz will be an option at 4.4 or whatever. No, nah, Jimenez is main man now. And unbelievably, Mitrovic got turned by Silva from someone and we went, ah, oh, it's going to be a pain in the ass for FPL, etc. To someone we could rely on. And it might just be happening with Jimenez now as well, where I wouldn't be surprised if we got into a state where if he keeps carrying on, he'll just sit in our team as our third forward as this season goes on. Because if he can rediscover what he was at Wolves, 5.2 is a madness. Agreed. Should we talk about Tottenham Bournemouth? Again, are we're you, talking about... Are you considering any Arsenal players for your, your Salah son? Um, I don't own any Arsenal attacking talent. So I'd be mad not to think about Saka or Odegaard. How did he play? Who? Saka. He's being flogged, James. It's like... Give it to Saka and let him fix everything. Kind of, he, he was he was involved, but nothing with any particular end product. It feels like he they just he's the get out of jail card is Saka all the time. And I'm mean, look, he could have easily scuffed and missed the goal that he actually did put away because it, it wasn't the cleanest of strikes. I'd be stupid based on their quality to ignore them, but based on form, and I've watched the last two games they don't make me want to buy them at all. I'd go to Foden over any of them all day long, is what I would say. I feel at the moment, and I think this is the probably the sensible play, and, and this is where most people feel, I feel I can't sell Saka. You can't. The problem is he's still talisman. Well, and, and I might even captain him mm. in 21, just on virtue of, to me, it's the best matchup, Arsenal Adams Crystal Palace. But... I have major confidence in that. And that's despite the fact, I'm sure it was Palace Arsenal played in game week 29 last year in the, in the blank. And I captain Saka then. Didn't he get 18 points or something? What's Madness. But don't feel like that's going to happen much at the moment. What I would say though is, if you if for anyone who watched Monday Night Football last night, there was a big analysis of Arsenal's attacking numbers and conversion and shots percentages individually and stuff as well. That's going to be a big narrative over the next couple of weeks where I, I bet there's a few of those Arsenal guys will be quite intent on proving a point in some forthcoming games. If you don't have Saka, unbelievably, if you're selling Salah or Son, that's not a, that's not a given, but it's probably a sensible purchase. We talk about another replacement now in Richarlison, who should also have his hat thrown into the ring, James. Uh, we're talking about a fickle. So obviously I didn't watch your game. And halfway through the first half on Twitter, if I'm followed by Twitter, I'm like, all right, Slanky's going to be taken off the pitch. And the tweets were like, not just, oh, he's got a knock. It's like, don't watch the replay. He's had a horrific injury stuff. I've not seen it, but he was down for a long time. And then I've got sofa score and I'm like, where's the sub? Five minutes later, is he still down? Where's the sub? He's Ten missed another later, big chance. Where's the sub? <laughs> and he never got taken off in the end. So again, it's like, be careful what information, where you go to for your information, because clearly none of those people had medical degrees. I um, mean, he probably spent combined in the first half, probably three or four minutes down, I'd say, yeah. if, if if not longer. Ouch. Um, so yeah, he did. And it was quite near me, the, the one where uh, Udogi stepped across him. And I think Udogi, uh, Solanke kind of tried to block tackle him and he his leg did look like it at the time I thought oh yeah he, he's going off I thought that in the ground so just to be fair I thought he's going mm-hmm. off and I hadn't had the benefit of seeing the replay or anything got away with um, one again who my team yeah 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 this is is it genuinely is it a genuine <laughs> question I don't know if, if yeah, I look I at think, 24 shots to 12 yeah 
But Bournemouth deserves something from the game. And it wasn't quite you, like... When you're like 1-0 up or 2-0 up, I'm like, don't worry, Spurs will tire in the second half. Bournemouth can come back. But I, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, it wasn't quite like... Um, like, I think Everton deserved to beat us a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't think it was quite that stage because actually... I mean, we ended up having a number of really you good chances three goals ourselves. There, right? uh, I mean, well, you know, even look at like Hill's header on the line that hits the bar. Sun has a, a very similar opportunity before as he scores the second goal, tries to come back inside, and I don't know why he does. Um, there was other few chances that we'd had on, to be honest, on the counter quite a lot in the second half. My goodness, the last 15, 20 minutes of the first half, we couldn't, we couldn't get out of half, mate, mm. which coincided with, guess what, Serge? Sark Another injury, Pat Sark going off injured, who he's still going to go to AFCON and presumably has a chance maybe playing I the think Spurs' injuries are your own fault. They might be. Yeah, no, I... I, I, I was I thinking about this because even Newcastle coming. have had a lot of injuries this season. And I'm thinking, well, if you play a high intense game and the players are not conditioned for it, what's going to happen? Right. I was trying to think of like a boxing analogy. Like if you go to like Man City, the the classic, they'll jab away. They'll keep their distance. They're never going to get hurt because they'll just jab, jab, jab at a nice distance. West Ham, we're like the boxer that just puts your gloves up and doesn't let anybody hit you. You guys swing. And when you're going to swing and go in swinging, you're going to get caught the other way. And if you're not conditioned to be fit enough to deal with this kind of intense end-to-end basketball-style football, that might be the cause of the injuries, right? Yeah, Potentially, no, where I, it's just too intense. I, and they I don't disagree with that. But we, we went for a period a few years ago where we just kept getting injured players and it was like, is it the medical staff? Is it the training ground shit? What's the cause of it? Because eventually it can't just be bad luck. And I actually think, thinking about it from Spurs' point of view, your game is so intense the players are under so much intense pressure in the games. It's fatigue and stuff like that. It might be causing this issue now with so many injuries. No, I I, I don't disagree with that, actually. Mm. But I don't want Tottenham to change their style either. I mean, Andrew's no. even said that recently. He said, like, we know we've asked the players to do a lot and we'll keep asking them. Yeah. Um, Emphasised by the fact, I mean, Saul was going to AFCON anyway, so we knew it was going to be a miss for forthcoming games. So it doesn't change too much. Benson Core was unbelievable news his missus had, had put on instagram either on friday night or early on saturday she'd put like l30 is back or something obviously that's his his number and a few people got excited about it and most of it well maybe it's back in training because the target had always been february was what we mm. were told february and then suddenly it was like half hour before the teams come out it was like he's in the ground he's walking around the pitch with with the players he's, he's in the squad I was like, oh, wow, what a boost to have him back for Manchester United in two weeks. That's what I thought. You know, if you can get 20 minutes out of him today, great. When I saw the team, I, but honestly, jaw dropped that he was in the team. So yeah. I couldn't believe it. And five minutes into the game, it became apparent that it was a real, real problem. And 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 it's difficult, right? Because Benson Corr, and to go back to, like, are we causing our own problems? Maybe, yeah, because really, he shouldn't have played. Right. I wouldn't have even said he was short of fitness. I would say he was still injured. Wow. Okay. I, spent I did lot... see he went off for about 65 uh, minutes or something. 60 yeah, minutes, I mean, was it was never going to get, uh, he was never going to get through more than that. But I spent a lot of the game watching him closely. No doubt. Four minutes into the game, Serge, he was standing there with his hands on his hips. Like, I mean, I'm in trouble here. I think he's gone banging. Like, I need, let out me help you. Puff, let me help you. Out of energy or. Well, yeah. I mean, so yeah, part Both. fitness. Even like when the, the game stopped and he was walking around, it didn't look like he was walking normally to me. 
Right. So I don't know if they've done whatever they needed to, to, to get him ready for the game and knowing that they couldn't get much out of him. What I would say is, and me and dad was having this discussion, it is a shame, but unfortunately, yeah, 50% Rodrigo Benzico is still better than 100% Pierre-Emil Hoiberg on Oliver Skip. And that's the decision he decided to make. But the problem was, obviously, having Rod on the ball was fine, but he couldn't do recovery runs or anything. So when Bournemouth broke on us, we were in massive trouble. I personally would have taken him off half hour into the game because I'd have been like, right, you know what? You've helped us get in front here. We were getting battered at the end of the first half. How are they never scored? Like, if you're a Solanke owner and you started him this way, let me tell you, you were just unlucky. Simple as that. You should have got a return in the game. And actually, some of his own finishing let him down a little bit, um, which is unusual for him because he is a good finisher. When Hoiberg came on, it was better for us. And it suits Hoiberg to come on into that scenario where we're already winning the game. And he can just sit there and be a little bit more of a... You, you know what I mean? It's not as much pressure on him with his passing because his passing is not good enough. It's the same for Skip. But as we already had the lead, it suited a little bit better. Um, the second goal was important. It was crucial. Brilliant from Lacelso to release Sonny. Lacelso will play again against Manchester United. Um, that's almost definite. Beyond that, Madders might be back maybe for game week 22. But considering we thought Benzical wasn't going to be back to about game week 24 and he's just rocked up, like who knows? Maybe Madders will be back in a couple of weeks. And he's obviously prepared to throw someone straight in the team even if they haven't trained for a month. So he might do the same with even Mickey van der Ven. So it's these little things that make me not as confident that Manchester United will just give us the slap in, in game with 21, as I said. And Benton called back means we can pass through their lines much, much better. I imagine in Sun's absence, Johnson will go to the left. Kulizewski will be back from suspension. Richarlison will play up front. Richarlison is definitely the one to go and get. The only player who scored more goals than Dominic Solanke in December in the Premier League, Serge? Richarlison. Unbelievably, that is the answer. So you've got, you know, I think despite what we said about Manchester United, buying a player going to Manchester United away doesn't feel right. But we've seen him score a couple of carbon copy goals now. You know, Newcastle at home, it's a pullback. The goals very recently against Everton and obviously at the weekend against Bournemouth. There are balls across the front. Great cross, cross by Brennan Johnson, by the way. Thank you. Brilliant movement. Great cross. I need you to be a lot stronger, boy. Otherwise, I'm going to keep calling you wank, right? Um, but Richarlison is definitely the one to go and get. It might be that Kudazewski plays with Lacelso in midfield against Manchester United and Brian Hill might start. Who knows? Maybe Madison will suddenly rock up. Tottenham are also close to agreeing a deal for Rado Dragasin from Genoa, who's a centre-back, can play either side. If they get him, he'll go straight in the team. So there's these little things that make me feel a little bit better about the prospects of going to Manchester United than I did a couple of weeks ago. Richarlison is right under consideration for me. The biggest reason for me not to buy him is that I think Tottenham will blank in game with 26. And I'm going to be carrying Liverpool and Chelsea, Chelsea players. So I might be buying two players this week who I think are going to blank in 26 in Palmer and Richarlison. And I'm not sure if I want to do that. Understood. So otherwise, I think, yeah, it would be Richie for me. I'd go. He's frustrating, but he looks at the moment like if if you give him the service, he'll finish. And by the way, I thought he played really well. In that period, we was under big pressure. It's almost like the uglier the game, the better he'll play. 
when there's less on him as your link play and all that. But if you've got to fight for it, I think Everton fans have said this in the past, almost the bigger yeah, yeah. games when he can run the channels and he works hard are, are, are beneficial for them. Just for Bournemouth, a, a little note on them going into 21, which is important. Obviously, Marcus Senesai got his fifth yellow card. And because they obviously missed the Luton game, he will be suspended for the game against Liverpool, uh, which is a bro. They were also really unfortunate, I think, to lose Dango Utara, who played left back and played Johnson pretty well in the first half, actually. He's he's obviously going to go to AFCON as well. Last they night, they were unlucky, Bournemouth. Good team. Yeah. Good team. Uh, last night, Liverpool. Uh, when we get to the end of the season, there was like, what was the prediction you made that you were completely wrong about? Um, I completely underestimated Liverpool this season because I didn't think their midfield was going to be anywhere near as strong as it needed to be because they didn't really get anyone that they, they needed to, right? I mean, I didn't know how good Schwarzschlag was or was I, I didn't think he played well last night, by the way. He came to ball a lot in the first half. Bench, but again, he's going from Brighton to Liverpool. It wasn't like headline signing in any way. And even Watara Endo felt like uh, Endo felt like a... Uh, filling the gap like you know when you get to the last weekend before christmas and you're like shit I ain't got nothing what's on the shelf that i can just get i'll get her on taro endo <laughs> but but you should have got a poster of bobby deck or dover reed mate <laughs> maybe i will um <laughs> i wonder if he's on uh cameo you know that thing where you can order like private messages <laughs> i just think it never occurred to me. Do you know what? Bobby Deckard over Reed, shout out. Like, it never occurred to me. It's certainly not ugly. It never occurred to me as like, oh, that's the handsome this is man eyes. that I want yeah, in my I don't life. think is she it? said he was going to She just liked his, he's got like greeny hazel colored eyes that look quite, okay. quite nice. 7.11 XG, like 34 shots. Domination. The, the end result makes it look a little bit harder than it was. But from a performance point of view, when Liverpool are intense, you you ain't keeping up with them. And this is where I think now, in terms of a title race, right? Say we get to the last day of the season, Arsenal got a win at home, Liverpool got a win at home. I, tr- I trust Liverpool a little bit more. And I don't think I would have said that at the start of the season. And I'm happy to admit that I was wrong. I think the next three games are massive for Liverpool. Mm. Um, Salahless. If, if they win them, which includes obviously going to... Arsenal and I'm talking about the league game not the FA Cup game here for the moment so they go to Arsenal in game at 23 if they win that they'll probably finish Arsenal off and then the gap from just Liverpool to Arsenal will probably be big enough Seven where it'll points, be then. yeah be, mm. it'll be a lot for Arsenal to make up then Liverpool have good fixtures and then they've got the likes of Mo Salah coming back it's not just Salah going though it's, it's Endo as well actually mm. because I, I've not been hugely impressed with him but he does sit there yeah uh, is more of a footballer isn't he you yep. know, I, I, McAllister might be under real pressure away to Arsenal, for example. And the thing with Moe's, like, I think it's important that Jota's back fit, Diaz is fit. I'm really surprised that Diaz off last night. I thought it was great. Maybe um, the yellow then, card influenced it a little bit. Didn't want to leave him on two yellows. Or, uh, on maybe. Yellow I mean, it's probably more congestion of having played a lot of football recently. And he's obviously going to have to play a lot of football that they've decided to look after him a little bit. I thought it was really good, Luis Diaz. Um, with Salado. He's a guarantee, isn't he? What I mean, what, what, what what I mean, mean by that is we could go and buy any of these Liverpool attackers. Nunes, Gakpo, Jota, who I think is really interesting, Diaz, over this next period for FPL, and they could start all of the next four and might not score at all. Mm-hmm. 
Salah's a guarantee, isn't he? That's why people love him, call him the king, etc. He's an he's inevitable. You know, when I always say when I own him and, and I, I don't find him enjoyable, even when he missed the penalty last night, I, I was enjoying it, actually. I thought he's going to come for him inevitably, maybe because the game was so one-sided. Um, but he's going to be a big miss. And their solution is what? Play Jota that side, maybe? It's not yeah. the same, is it? It can't be. I think... In terms of taking Diaz off, he's the one that's the real ball carrier. So they might feel like they need that the most over forthcoming weeks. I think Jota's the one I'd want to punt. Me too. But I, but I easily could feel like I could get to Bournemouth away and he, he might not start. I also feel, by the way... But he'll come off the bench and still get you returns, even if he is falling I, I, over his I, own shoelaces or whatever I wouldn't that be dive shocked. was. That's a challenging game. I'm not saying they will. I wouldn't be shocked if they got beat at Bournemouth. Okay. They're in great form. They were really unlucky against my team. You're taking a couple of key components out for Liverpool at the moment, I think. With with Salah, I mean, you're talking about him, like 151 goals. So he crossed 150 Premier League goals for the same club, only four other players. And you know the four other players. Like, that's a fucking elite group of strikers. Aguero, Kane, Wayne Rooney, Thierry Henry, and then Mo Salah. That that that's as good as Forget, it gets. That's, for, that's for, unfortunately for... that's jobless Wayne Rooney this morning. Sacked by Bob oh, did he? Well, it doesn't matter. Morning, like, yeah. I, I will always remember Wayne Rooney the player more than I'll remember Wayne Rooney the manager. But that's that's a that's an elite bunch of strikers. Will you remember John Eustace the player? Yeah, I probably will. Yeah, who did he play for? Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some sort of a wanker, isn't you? Um yeah, the tough three games for Liverpool, these. Bournemouth away, Chelsea home, Arsenal away are not a good three games to be doing without Salah, honestly. Yeah. But if they get through it well, I mean, if, if Liverpool come out of those three games with seven points even, with some really good fixtures afterwards, 24 to 27 looks really attractive. Obviously, the 26th game could go, but could also get brought forward to 25 against Lewin. Um, I was thinking of the in. other John Eustace. You're thinking of the one that played for Derby and Watford and then was at Hereford. <laughs> Before, when he was at Stoke, that was after he, he was at Coventry and uh, had some loan spells yeah. at Dundee and Middlesbrough. I was thinking of the other John Eustace, mate. Sorry. Uh, I guarantee you 100% such as reading that off of Wikipedia. <laughs> he is indeed. You didn't even mention Coventry. That's where I remember. No, I said Coventry just now. Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Coventry is where I remember. That's where he was when he went on loan, mate, to Dundee and Middlesbrough. Oh, of course. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh dear right. Liverpool are on fire right now though mate yeah they are uh, I think <laughs> let's be honest here I, I know Newcastle fans have got a few complaints right let's, let's talk the, the, the penalty by the way what a pass from McAllister to yeah. Jota which got yeah, completely yeah. missed yeah, in the moment yeah, yeah. incredible pass I couldn't help but thinking with, I don't know why he's gone down because he's going to score isn't he that's the mm. weird that's the weird bit about it. He's going to score, Jota. When he went round the keeper, I said, Great goal. Literally came out of my mouth, great goal. And it oh, he's on the floor. It must be a, that was my reaction. I think it must have been Anthony Taylor's. It must be a penalty because I don't know why he's got he's gonna score. Yeah. I don't know why he'd go down. And there is definitely contact. And once you saw the the the, the uh, review on the TV, the replay, you knew it wasn't gonna get overturned because the Bravka's elbow did clip him. It's one of them where Contact doesn't, you can't overturn it. You understand why VAR given it. It's just stupid. That 
that's uh, and there was also but more the point was at 1-1 in the same move that led to Liverpool's goal Sean Longstaff absolutely could have had a penalty why he didn't appeal was bizarre it was the same thing it happened I went well that looked a bit oh but he he got on his feet and he just walked away so I thought well it can't be a penalty then because um, he's not even appealed it. You, you've got to put your arms out and make everybody aware. So who knows? Maybe VAR didn't look at it. I'm sure they probably did. Um, they deemed, but maybe they deemed in that moment, well, the player hasn't complained. So maybe he just, maybe he himself thinks it's a coming together, which to go back to the point of, oh, how can he dive there? Listen, if Jota doesn't go down and anyway, he puts the ball wide, he doesn't get it. Don't hate the player, hate the rules. I'm sorry. Agreed. I'm, I'm in agreement with that. Shit, hate the rules. Um, it did conveniently though leave Eddie Howe with a number of excuses in his in his interview after the game. They were battered. There's no other excuse. They no, they were annihilated, mate. Yeah, that is the highest xG in a Premier League game since they've been doing records. And I thought that that was going to be like 2018. Now that the xG date apparently goes back to about 2010. Highest XG in a Premier League game, over yeah. seven. Oh, they had two penalties. It'd still be over five and a half. Bloody hell. They got slapped all over the place, mate. And I think it's concerning because they've obviously had mitigating circumstances for what's been happening. The injuries and the quick turnarounds. You know, they've had three days, three days, three days, etc. As I said at the start, my only real concern with Captain Salah this week was well, Newcastle have now had six days to prepare properly and rest. But it looked like they'd only had three days rest again. They were, particularly in the midfield, I think Gamera's is knackered. I love him as a player, but he's absolutely knackered. You'd have thought that with Burn, Botman, and Cher back together, and I know Trips wasn't available, that it would have been stronger physically. But physically, they just weren't up to it. In terms of like the pressing off the ball and stuff, their engagement, recovery. I'm not saying no effort. I'm not saying that at all. There's certain teams you can look at and you go, no. I'm not sure the effort's there. And I don't think it's that at all. Maybe, yeah, still knacker, but way too open, massively. And to be honest, bar trips, and you can debate Lewis Miley as well. We're debating what Miley or Almiron and how you set up. Bar trips and obviously the goalkeeper, that's nearly them back to full strength now. And they, and as I said, the penalty debate hides the fact that they got hammered, absolutely that's slaughtered. It. If they lose Sunderland on Saturday lunchtime... That's the game this weekend. You need to watch for shits and giggles. Yeah, by the yeah. Way, my like. brother lives in Sunderland. He's like staying indoors that day, mate. <laughs> Newcastle fans can only go to the game. By the way, if they go on a coach. Oh wow! All of them. There's not five, six thousand of them. You, they won't be. They won't be able to get on the site of the stadium unless they go on a coach. Apparently, these two hate each other, and it's been a long time. If Newcastle lose Sunderland, Eddie Howe is going to lose some of the support. I'm not saying that he should. I'm just telling you that's what's going to happen. Their next two league games are Manchester City home and Aston Villa away. Mm, we talked about that. Yeah, difficult. Rough. Good, good. I won't, be, I won't be looking at Newcastle players this week. One more game left, which is West Ham United at home to Brighton tonight. And uh, we'll talk about that on uh, Tottenham tomorrow for the patrons, but also we'll cover it off at some point later in the week whenever we're chatting a bit of footy. Um yeah, what's the schedule for the rest of the week, James? We've got some questions in on X, not a huge amount, but we've got a, f- a few good ones um, that I will cover off in a second. But yeah, what do we got to look forward to? 
Uh, good question. Uh, tomorrow, Sky Fantasy Football, part of yes. two big Sky Fantasy podcasts, as we're now in the overhaul period following tonight's game at the London Stadium. Tomorrow is going to be a heavy emphasis on fixtures. Next Wednesday's Sky Pod will be a heavy emphasis on the players and final selections. Thursday, Clash of Correspondence this week is Bournemouth versus Liverpool with Neil Grover and Dan Lord. I'll be streaming uh, with Ash James on Friday. It's probably going to be three o'clock at the moment. That's a to-be-confirmed timing based on my wife's work schedule on that day. Uh, our Patreon podcast this week, our Q&A today, Tottenham tomorrow, which will include a, a deep-rooted review of the West Ham Brighton game tonight. Thursday, as I alluded to earlier, Money and Football on Ineos and Sir Jim Ratcliffe. And we'll be having a bit of an FA Cup preview on Friday as well. If you want to support the show, www.patreon.com forward slash Planet FPL. It's a new year. We'd love to have you with us. Can I have a one more piece of information? I think we've missed out of our review here. That's important. It's oh, from the Nottingham Forest Manchester United game. Obviously, Arnana is going to AFCON. It's been a bit shit, but I don't know if Beinder, the guy who's going to stand in for him, is any good either. So there's something to bear in mind. But more importantly for Forest. Serge Aurier, Willy Bolly, Ibrahima Sangari, uh, Musa Niakati, Cheku Kiyate, and Ola Aina. Six players all going to AFCOM. Something Oof. to bear in mind for that. They've got the worst of it. Uh, you recorded with Clayton a couple of weeks ago, uh, People's Poll, which was around AFCON and Asia Cup and players disappearing. So scroll through our back catalogue and you'll find that episode. Most of the players well. we mentioned on that are going. Few that aren't is Side Ben Rama. Mm-hmm. I said, even the likes of like Mitoma and Adingra from Brighton have been called up despite their injuries. And I presume those nations are thinking if we can get these guys fit for the quarterfinals, it'll it'll be worth, worth it, it, particularly in in Matoma's case. So yeah, I I do get that. Um, Thomas Party is one that's not been called up, but he hasn't been fit and played a lot. Well, so. Apparently, he was going to be ready for Liverpool way a couple of weeks ago. Mm, they could do with him. Cool, right. Let's go through some of these questions we've had it in on the internet, James. What was the worst cracker joke you heard this Christmas? Didn't open any crackers, sorry. <laughs> you did not? No. What'd you get if you eat Christmas crackers? Uh what do you sorry, what do you get if you eat Christmas decorations? Christmas crackers. Tinselitis. I remember that one. It was it was pretty bad. Tinselitis. Uh Matt wants to know what did you and Sunshot eat on New Year's Day? What did what, sorry? What did we eat on New Year's Day? Uh, I've got we, a very we, random menu. We went around to my mum and dad's. Happy birthday, mum. Happy um, birthday, Mrs. L. Um, we ate crap. Okay. <laughs> crap, like party food and shit. Nice. Um, I was at my brother-in-law's sister-in-law's the night before, and my sister-in-law made a banging chicken biryani, like rice and chicken. It was like delicious for dinner the night before. I got up in the morning went down for breakfast. I was like, you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm going to have another bowl of that chicken biryani, please. So I had a cup of tea and chicken biryani for breakfast on New Year's Day. And I'm not even ashamed about it. Don't care. It was Did too good. Did you have any cold turkey on Boxing Day? Didn't have any turkey on Christmas Day, so couldn't have any cold turkey on Boxing Day, mate. Problem my game week was there didn't have any cold turkey on Saturday either. Uh, right. What's your favourite food part of Christmas dinner? Starters and dessert included. What's your favourite bit of it? All of it. The meat. It's got to be the meat bit for me. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I've said this before. It's turkey nonsense. <laughs> it yeah, is. Not, 
not a fan. And uh, why do we Ali, pick the shittiest meat for our celebration? <laughs> well, last question of the show, James says we need a Suj and James bold football prediction for 2024. Could be anything from on the pitch to off it. You got anything in mind? Uh, I don't know about bold, um, but England losing the semi-finals of the Euros because we always get that far and then seem to shit the bed. Nah, it's 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 coming home. It's coming home this time. Is that your bold prediction? No. Um, bold prediction. Uh, Richarlison to win the Golden Boat. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> James is still drunk from New Year's Eve. And on um, that note. I don't, I, I don't know. The table feels like it's kind of ironing out, almost as as we'd expect. Maybe uh, let's let's it's go. Nice go on, Chelsea in. would expect. Let's, let's go. Um, Eddie Howe to be English England manager. No, at he's the start on next season. Job. I'm going to give you a prediction. I think Luton are going to stay up. I don't hate that at all. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in after this new year. Welcome to 2024. Thank you for uh, listening to the show. If you want to support it, you know where to go. Other than that, though, uh, stay safe. Look after yourselves. Happy New Year. Ciao for now. Thanks, everyone. Happy New Year. Play it your way, but try not to make any early transfers. Cue music, please. Manchild. Sports Social Podcast Network.